Today on the Hey Kings podcast, I'm joined by Jason Grady. We're going to talk about the origins of his press trailer and the origins of the Twin Pack Baylor. Welcome to the show. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Tell me your story. Where did the Twin Pack Baylor, where did the Grady Hay Press, where did all of that start? Well, I've been, you know, in the industry since I was born, really, and in the hayfield since I was seven or eight with my dad. Uh, my mom and my dad split up when I was like six years old, and uh, they kind of went their separate ways. And my dad, my uncle, and my grandfather, they worked at uh, Simplot up in Oregon. That's where they first started baling hay and learned how to do hay, and that was like 35 years ago. And then my family had heard the Indian tribe needed some help down here. They weren't getting their job done with the the people they were having bail the hay. And so we moved down here and looked like a gypsy clan coming down the highway with pickups on the back of stack wagons and, you know, that type of deal. Just, just a bunch of broke, poor farmers that were looking for a better job. And we found it and we've been here for 32 years now. And just, we, we bail an enormous amount of hay. 25,000 acres is what we go over on average it it varies a little bit it'll go down to 22 or 23 but on average we're we're 23 25,000 acres four times a year and anywhere from 7 to 10,000 acres of wheat straw as well that we bail for ourselves and sell in Kentucky and really all over the country some goes to California that's kind of what has given me the the right mentality for designing this equipment you know i mean there's always been a need for something better and something faster that would save us some time in the field or maybe even make us a little bit more money the press trailer idea i got because i seen vans were shipping so cheap and we had started to load vans with just a squeezer and we tore a bunch of transmissions out of them and we were just having a hard time so the idea came to me in a dream one day before vacation and i got up in the middle of the night and i drew out this big sketch and my wife comes out of the bedroom in the middle of the night what are you doing and i said i'm drawing this thing i just dreamed of i think this is gonna work and that's where that idea came from i just had kind of dreamed and envisioned myself operating the first machine that i actually built um and i could see it so well in my dream that i could come out draw it up and we built it my dad said it wouldn't work and he says you're not embarrassing us and taking that god ugly thing up on the farm you're gonna go up there with a flatbed and bring some small bales down here and we'll load a van between the sheds where it's private where nobody can see so we did that we went up there and got you know a full drop deck load of small bales and we we brought them down to the shop and unsqueezed them off the trailer and set them on the press trailer and really we loaded 420 bales in about 30 minutes and he was like you got to be kidding me it was that easy and i'm like that easy man i spent six months building this machine and we even used a uh uh so we blew up a transmission on a 4650 john deere tractor and i knew that the engine was still good but the tranny was bad so we split it in half and i welded it on the front of that trailer and that was your power plant that was the power plant right right it worked it just worked you couldn't believe i made something work that good we've been loading dry vans since we used to have 13 semi trucks running down the highway drop deck trailers and tarps and all this stuff and it got so tough there for a while find drivers and keep drivers that didn't do drugs and it was just a a massive massive stress on us then i came with the press trailer we have three trucks now and two of them sit in the yard 
more than they're out. Because you can find dry vans to do all the work that you need done. Right. And they are, I'm not going to say they're half the price, but they're 70% of the price that I can even do it for mm-hmm. with my own, with my own equipment. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do to this day. I mean, we've four, five, seven, ten 10 loads of a van a day here. And it's just so simple. You push it in there and you forget it. We load 423 tie bales in about, I don't know, seven minutes now. It's come a long ways. That's amazing. For those that don't deal in three ties all the time, you can only put about 20 tons, 21 tons worth of hay in a dry van, 53-foot dry van, right? Right, right, because they're overweight. But when you're talking straw, you know, or somebody bailed 100-pound hay bales, you can fill it to the max without going overweight. But yeah, let's see, maybe about two years after I started building press trailers for everybody, for the public, I came up with another one. And it was mainly structured toward the two tie guys. We built one without an engine that, say, a F-150 or 1500 series pickup can pull down the highway. Because a big press trailer, it takes like an F-450, F-550 to move that thing. Not to mention it costs 195000 bucks. Right. And not every not everybody can afford that. You know, I want to be able to cater to the two tie guys as well. So we built one much smaller unit. It's electric over hydraulic. And then the two cut tie guys, they have to put a layer on at a time. You know, they're always messing with one layer, not a block like a three tie guy would. Right. So why have an engine? Why have all this stuff? Why have the press part of it? You know, I come up with the idea of if they're loading a layer at a time, it just needs to sit there, really. Then when they get the full block on there, whatever they're setting the hay on with, they can rotate it to 90 degrees and push it in the van and 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 just be as happy as a guy that loaded the three tie on a $200,000 piece of equipment. I have to tell you that I've hand stacked a few dry vans and I know exactly the importance of what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And really, really, John, that hasn't taken off yet. I mean, I've only built a few of those. I haven't got to Texas and, you know, Northern Colorado or anywhere where, where there's a surplus of two tie guys mm-hmm. um i think canada could really benefit from this too yeah because their their two tie market is basically florida right and they ship in vans and they load everything by hand i think once it finally gets out there to the public and they really understand what they're seeing i think every two tie farmer will have one of them small trailers because i mean they're affordable for a guy like that well even my math uh i farm in the middle of nowhere maybe a bit like you yeah I'm 400 miles to a really big population center that has a lot of horses. Right. So I'm always thinking about shipping and being in Washington state, we have, you know, a a trucking industry that's focused just on, hay. you can find hay bucks that that'll hand stack or block stack, whatever you want, but it's getting harder. Yeah. The, the, the people that used to do this laboring work, loading vans by hand or loading trucks by hand, that's just a thing of the past. Nobody wants to do that labor work no more. No, that's the word. Hand stacking a dry van is one step down from hell. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> it's always hot and it's always dusty. <laughs> yep, <laughs> for sure. So after the press trailer scene, I how I came up with the twin pack design itself, I was just up in the field in the middle of the summer seven years ago, eight years ago. Man, I've got I've got 18 big balers here. Some nights we have to bail 1,500 acres with just the big balers and four or 500 acres with the small balers. I mean, we really go 
we do circles around the small builders. They'll be on the same circle, you know, 150 acre circle for two or three hours. And, and the big builders are in the same circle right next to it, you know, 20 minutes, 15 minutes to do a hundred acre, 150 acre circle right. with that many big builders. And I'm like, right. it, it just makes me sick to my stomach when I was looking over there, looking how much money that was costing me, my brother and my dad in labor alone. To do three tie bales. I was actually checking hay on a big bale, making sure it was, you know, good to go. It just kind of hit me upside the head. Hey, that's two three-string bales. That's six strings right there. That's two three-string bales. And it just literally hit me out of nowhere. And I said, you know what? I got to figure out a way to split that bale. So I sat down and started drawing, started drawing, because we got a lot of time on our hands sitting in the pickup up there watching bailers go around. And or I we're waiting the, for dew to come in. <laughs> right, right, that too. We don't really have a dew problem here, but eh, that's good. once in a while, we get pretty natural dew. We're pretty lucky here. Oh, that's good. Still bailing for 10, 12 hours a day, regardless. Mm-hmm. So a lot of downtime in the pickup for sure. But I just drew that up on some paper. I had about a notebook full of ideas. That, that winter, I looked for... What I wanted was some 1390 inline Freemans. And people were all but giving them things away. Oh, them things are junk. We don't want this. I bought one for 1500 bucks out of Imperial Valley, California. I found another one that actually ran in Cortez. I couldn't believe it was so close to me. And I took them down to the shop. We stripped them things down to nothing and cut them in half. And we welded them together. I mean, we didn't have any drawings or nothing. We just welded them together and a little tape measure. And, hey, we welded the plungers together and put a split knife in there and welded that into the frame and spent all winter doing that. Come spring, I wanted to take it up to the farm. And here was my dad again. No, you're not taking that ugly thing to the farm again. He didn't learn the first time, huh? No, no, he didn't learn nothing the first time. We went up there and got about 20 big bales of straw, and we brought it back down to the shop. And my guy spent all day peeling apart big bale because he wouldn't let me take it to the farm and bale an actual row. <laughs> we, we we took it out back with one of our little bitty rake tractors, and, and I made bales. I must have made 70, 80 bales in the back. We lost a few strings, but other than that, the baler worked great. I mean, it, it did its job. The cut was just as clean as the production model is today. I mean, it was the the nut idea. It really was. That's <laughs> First of all, I really admire that kind of farmer ingenuity where you're like, <laughs> it, it'll work. Just start doing it. <laughs> yeah, just do it. That's, that's how we did it, too. Man, we just had an idea. I have enough guys in the shop with talent, you know. We have to hire all all Native American people here because it's part of the contract. It's their land, their right. their farm. Man, since I was young, I've been with these people and they're great people. And I've trained everybody that's in the shop working for us. They are the best at what they do, I'll tell you. So I took them and used their strengths where I needed them on that baler and worked with them right alongside it. And I said, this is what I want. We want to do this this way. And they even came up with some of their ideas. I said, no, that ain't going to work. This is why. And we just hashed it out between me and my brother and some of the guys at the shop. And it worked. It worked really great. So then what was your next step after you had this prototype? Where'd you go from there? So the prototype was only intended on ever bailing maybe a little bit more than we bailed at the shop. But that didn't happen. My dad ended up saying, okay, it's ugly, but take it up on the farm because it works so well. 
So we took it up to the farm and we bailed, I don't know, a tower of a hundred acre field. Well, Anderson Hay saw those bales and Nappy saw those bales. And the next thing you knew, we were bailing fields with that one baler. It still works to this day. It's parked in the back of the shop, but it works. And we probably bailed, I don't know, 50,000 bales with that baler. And it was never intended on doing that just because everybody liked the cut side of the bale and how square it was. And it was just something new, different. And everybody liked it. It was a beautiful package. So after that, we decided we needed to build two more prototypes. We met a guy that was in the oil field type stuff. He built pressure vessels and uh, odd things that I really don't know about for the oil field. He was in Bloomfield, New Mexico, and his business was suffering. That was about the downturn of the oil field stuff there maybe about three or four years ago, four and a half years ago. He said, I know we can do it. If you come, I'll give you an engineering seat in our engineering department, and put a head engineer right beside you. and You guys design what you want and we'll build it in the shop. And that's what we did. I designed it all on the computer there. And then I helped them build it in the shop. And there was a lot of, oops, we didn't see that or we need to cut that back off. Or, I mean, there was a lot of that. It wasn't no production baler by any means. And we tested those for about a year and a half. I was really good friends with the guy that ran Freeman for Allied Systems. And he went to school with a guy named Gary Grossen. They grew up together farming in Oregon. He says, I'm really good friends with this guy. He owns this really, really good forming type business. He builds equipment. Anything ag he'll build. Um, he says, I want to fly down there and let him look at that machine, see if he wants to build it. He said he's got to have a lot of production. He wants to run a lot of production through his shop. If the, their job's not big enough, he don't. He won't want to do it. So Gary flew down here to New Mexico to see all our prairie dog holes, watched the double baler work, pretty much the second edition of a prototype. And he says, that's like nothing I've ever seen before. And he said, it ain't never going to be any better than that. He said, what you built here is awesome, and I would love to build that for you. So then me, my dad, and my brother flew up to GK Machine in Donald, Oregon, and we checked out his facility. And it was a first-class capable facility of putting out true production machines, what we really wanted. So we had to re-engineer it again up there at GK Machine, which took about a year, year and a half. Now we're putting machines out. The first 20 of the 30 we're building this year are sold. They're engineering our two-tie twin pack right now, which will be on the market in 2021. Now, is that a two-tie twin pack or two-tie tri-pack? Nope, we are shelving that idea. The You're shelving the tri-pack idea is what you're saying? Yes, because there's something else special coming that is even better than that. Um, I can't wait to hear about it. Yeah, <laughs> Sounds like you can't I, tell me, though. <laughs> I can't really talk about it much, but the two-time market can't withstand a $250,000 piece of equipment. Not everybody that bails 5, 10, 20, 100 acres a year is going to buy a quarter-million-dollar piece of equipment. Yeah, that doesn't pencil out really good. It does not. We want to have a twin-pack baler, and everybody that bails hands, not just the guys that do mass production of bales sure we we want everybody to have one so we're trying to stay within that one hundred thousand dollar range for a twin pack two tie 
we took all the bells and whistles off of what would be the three tie and we're putting them as options for the two tie. So if a guy wanted to load his two tie up, he could spend a lot more money and have a way nicer machine. But the guy that bails a little bit can still have the same machine, but strip it down. So what you're telling me is it's going to be like the John Deere model where you have the E, the M, and the R, and you can pick and choose which model fits your operation. Correct, correct. If you want the computer and you want the bail scale and the bail stop and the bail delay and all the fancy whistles, you know, uh, a higher production guy would flip for those options, whereas the small farmers that only have one baler, you know, maybe they want to strip down E-model type. Yeah, exactly. That makes pretty good sense to me. We've been having some conversations around right to repair, and I'm sure you're familiar with these ideas about what manufacturers should and shouldn't let people do. On a baler, that's that's not near as big of an issue because there's no emissions. Will your yeah. baseline model have a computer? The baseline model will have a like a bale and stroke counter. You can see bales. You can see how many strokes were in the bales. You could see baler speed. And that's about it. That would be like our economy model. All right. And then you start getting into moisture sensors and preservative applicators and, and bail delay and all those other things. Correct. Correct. There's so many bells and whistles you can put on one to make it so much nicer. Uh, even a new one that we came out with, the three tie is going to have it as standard equipment. You can set an alarm in there. It's called an overlength alarm to us at our factory. So if you're targeting 42-inch bale, if it goes anything an inch over 42, it starts beeping. That's pretty important when you start running, you know, in the West, we call them harrow beds. You get farther east and they turn into stack cruisers and you get too far east and they don't know what any of that is. Right. When you're trying to make nice stacks that fit into a semi-truck really well, that inch makes a lot of difference. Sure it does. The weight changes so much too. If you're not watching the length and you don't know a guy's made you two or three inch longer bales than you wanted, because some of the other baler manufacturers don't watch that. They just let you set the length and start bailing and go for it. You know, after an operator gets comfortable, he starts bailing too fast and well, you're throwing money out the window, you know. Them gentlemen in the Phoenix area, I mean, those guys are extremely particular on length. And wait, I mean, that thing better weigh 95 pounds on the spot or you're not doing good enough for them. Now, you just made somebody on the East Coast roll over and die thinking about a 95-pound bale, but that same concept applies to a 50-pound bale too, right? Correct. 50- and 60-pound two-tie bales is, is no different. Absolutely no different. An extra inch of length is a bigger percent change on, on a little bale than it is on a big one. Sure it is. Sure. So that actually matters more to folks as they're trying to hit that if we can call it a horse person market, that person wants that 40, 50, 60 pound bale. Right. It's been a pleasure talking to you. This has been so much fun hearing about your thought processes. This is exciting to me. This is an exciting time to be in agriculture and an exciting time to be in the hay industry. Sure is, man. Sure is. I love what I do. Thanks. Thanks.